place I was thinking it dawned on me while they were singing a little while ago about the empty tomb as soon as they sang those words something in my spirit spoke and said and you cannot undo that you cannot refill that tomb you cannot undo the stripes that have been laid upon his back. You cannot undo the word that he has spoken. <laughs> so you want to know the grounds on which we sing in faith today? It's because there is an empty tomb. And you cannot refill that with all the agnosticism and atheism in the world. They cannot undo the fact that stripes were laid upon his back that we might be healed, that he bore our burden to that cross, that he bore our infirmities. You can't undo that. So you need to call on him today in that confidence that what he has said is going to come to pass, what he has declared will happen. You say, Brother Hughes, how long? I don't know. But however long, just keep declaring it. It is so. The reason any of us even have hope this morning about sins being forgiven is because he said, that's what I've come to do is seek and save that which was lost. I've come for the broken. I've come for the defeated. I've come for the sinner. Amen. So it doesn't matter how dirty you might feel today, you're in a good place. Because you can't undo what he did at Calvary. Clap your hands to the Lord and praise him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I pray that word lodges in your mind and spirit and you think about it all week long. Every time you run up against a problem, just remember, you cannot undo what he's already said. You cannot undo what he's already done. You cannot unwork the stripes. You can't take them off of his back. You can't remove the burden that was laid on him because of our sin and our... Inf you can't do that. So it doesn't matter how loud the atheist scream or how loud the agnostic cries or whatever your present situation may be speaking into your life right now. It cannot undo what God has already done. Oh, I wish somebody would get a hold of that. Amen. I don't feel very forgiven. You don't have to feel very forgiven. The fact that he said, I will forgive your sins, established it. Amen. You know what we have the idea is that if we pray long enough and hard enough and we get our faces contorted enough that God's going to feel sorry for us and come by and bless us. That's not how God operates. Amen. What God's looking for is just somebody that will simply believe what he said and it will be done. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. Thank you, praise team. What a great presence of the Lord is here. Praise God. Amen. It's always heartening when you've wrestled all night with what you're going to speak today to walk in to hear the kind of songs that were being sung. It just reiterates that God has a word to speak to our church today. Amen. Faith needs to rise in this building. If you have your Bibles for a couple of moments while you're standing, we're going to look to the word of the Lord, Matthew and Mark are going to be our place of reading. We're going to begin first in Mark chapter 9. And I'm only going to read one verse, the 24th verse, but uh, what I want you to grasp 
is the setting of the story, and I think most of you are familiar. Jesus had been in the mountain, and when he came down, there was a multitude of people gathered around his disciples, and there was a lot of discussion going on and a lot of questions that were being asked. And the Lord wanted to know what was going on. What, 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 what's the reason for all the questions? And out of that crowd comes a father who tells the Lord that I brought my son unto your disciples to pray for him because he hath a, a, a spirit, a dumb spirit. A, and uh, it tears him. It, when, it, when that spirit comes over him, he gnashes his teeth and he foams at the mouth and he pines away and he said I spake to your disciples that they would cast him out but they were not able they could not do that and the Lord answered and said O faithless generation how long shall I be with you how long shall I suffer you and I think that's Those are two questions that we need to consider that sometimes what God has willed is being held at bay because of how we are responding to our present situation. How long will you be like this? How long shall I suffer you? And they brought him to the Lord and straightway that spirit showed up and flared up and tore him and the Lord asked the father how long has it been and he said since a child verse 23 the Lord says something that you cannot overlook because it's so vital to what I'm going to read but Jesus said if thou canst believe all things are possible and then verse 24 and straightway the father of the child cried out And said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. What a contrast of belief and unbelief that have been brought together in this human experience. But it's not an uncommon mixture of life. We all struggle at times with unbelief. We all have times when we wonder if faith is sufficient. And in this particular occasion, this man recognized something from what Jesus had said. All things are possible to him Go with me one more reading to the book of Matthew chapter uh, 17. And verse number 20. Matthew 17 and verse number 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. The same mixture of unbelief and faith but oh the difference for a lack of a better title and maybe a little bit long but I want to talk to you about where you put your faith is critical to what God can do with it where you put your faith and I know some of you are already thinking ahead of me please don't do that Amen. Where you put your faith is critical to what God can do with it. Father, I love you today. I thank you for your wonderful presence. 
Of all people, I feel so inadequate to deliver the word today, but I pray that you will use this vessel. Lord, if you could speak through a donkey, surely you could speak through me today. I'm asking you to do that. Speak to your people. Let the word be magnified in all of our lives. And we ask these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Man, you may be seated. And one more time, would you just clap your hands to the Lord and let's give him praise. Praise God. What a wonderful presence of the Lord is here. I don't remember what day of the week it was, but one day earlier this week while I was here at the church in prayer, this passage of Mark came so vividly to my mind. And... I felt, I sensed in that moment the utter desperation of this father who was dealing with something that he could not find a solution for or an answer to. And he came and he cried out to the disciples and then to the Lord. And there's something about this particular Story and in particular the verse that we read from of this man, the, the pulling back of the curtains of his life and the raw exposure of his, uh, his struggle, what was going on inside of him. I think the reason that it resonates so deeply in my spirit is because I am familiar with that sense of desperation. I am familiar with the cry of this man because life has a way of pushing you against the wall at times. It has a way of coming in on you from so many sides that you don't know what to do first and problems that become so Large and they become so overwhelming uh, in their scope that we don't know even how to respond to those things. I think I would be truthful this morning in saying that everyone in this building has had at times their visitation of doubt. It's not wrong. It's not sinful that you would have a doubt. I think it's common to the human situation. There are questions that arise. You cannot be human and live in this limited sphere that we live in with at times not wondering, God, where are you? God, are you listening to me? Have you heard my plaintive cry? Are you aware of what's going on in my life at the present moment? And so we, we face situations with such needs that we don't know what to do. And, and we, do, we, we don't seem to be able to change one thing by everything that we've tried. All of the attempts on our part. And then the even worse struggle that we in our humanity have is feeling like at times that we are partly to fault for the present situation. If I just had a little more faith, if I just was a little stronger, if I just had a little more confidence, and so we take it personal, and it becomes a personal struggle, and we feel the sharp pains of frustration when you do what you think is the right thing, but there is not the outcome that you had desired. There are things that you and I are going to run into in our life that are overwhelming. I'm not saying that to discourage you today. I'm making the point because all of us sometimes need to take the facade down. You know, I've been around some people that my Lord, they, 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 they live on another planet than I do. 
Evidently, they've never had a problem come up in their family. They've never had an issue in their marriage. They've never had a job situation they didn't know what to do with. They've, they've never had a boss that just making you want to quit. They've never had financial stress or situations on their life that made them just want to pull their hair. I, I guess they live in a sphere of faith that I don't know anything about. But I'm going to talk to you about the world I live in. And I think it's the world that many of you live in. And you feel that frustration. You feel, Brother uh, Manny, you were so on target today. The frustration that comes with financial issues and family issues and right now a, a health crisis that we can't seem to get our hands around and it's affecting our loved ones and our families and we pray and we believe God and yet the next report that we get is not encouraging in the least. We just feel hopeless and we feel like, what, what is it to do? What, do I, what am I missing here, God? What, what am I not doing? And, and so we start taking the blame for What's not working out. And we face these situations that sometimes dwarf our ability. You know one of the hardest things as a young preacher for me to come to, to the point of, I hate to confess this, but I think I need to after all these years confess. One of the hardest things for me as a pastor to come to the point of, is not knowing the answer. You know, we all think we're supposed to know. And you know, the younger you are, the more you think you know. But if you live long enough, you come to realize there's some things I just don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to say. I do know the one to go to, and I do know the one to trust, but as far as giving you an answer at this moment that's going to help you navigate out of your situation, I don't have that right now. But what I can do is point you to someone who can. And so we face situations that dwarf our ability to see any way out or a way over or a way through and things that are too hard for our meager means to handle. And there are many things about this thing called faith that I still don't fully understand. How much is enough? Do I have any? Well, I have news for you. Everybody has faith. How do I know that? Because the scripture says that God dealt to every man the measure of faith. So everybody in this building, you can take that verse and make it mean something else. But the simple fact is he did put something in all of us that is, that is money in the, the bank of heaven. It works when you know how to use it and when you actually use it properly. There's, there's nothing that's more frustrating to try to even preach about for me other than maybe prayer. And that's the subject to face. Not, and I guess because I'm one of those people that I, I tend to be a little bit too realistic and I, I realize that my, my faith isn't always where it needs to be and I want more faith and I need greater faith. But how do I get there? How do I get there? I have, I've met a few people, very few in my life, who could honestly say that they had the faith thing worked out. They knew, they knew how, how, how it worked. They knew what to do with it. I've met some people that thought they did. I met a lot of people that thought they did, but then ran up against a brick wall and uh, things didn't change. This, this is what I've learned in life. There are times that it seems easier to have faith than at other times. And this is the irony of life, is that the time that I feel like I really need faith is when it seems the hardest to come by. 
when you're battling with a sickness in your body and you're too weak to even pray for yourself and you're trying to struggle. That's when I need faith the most. When I'm dealing with a financial crisis or I'm dealing with a job issue or I'm dealing with a family issue and I really need faith, I really need strength to believe God, it seems that in those times is when I struggle with the weakness and the ineptness and I believe there's a reason for that. I believe that there is a reason why we tend to go that way because it seems to me that it is a product of human experience or human existence that we tend to focus more on what we don't have than what we do have. That it's easier for me to see how little it is rather than what it is. You need to make sure you remember that right there. Because it does nothing to do with the volume or the amount. It has to do with what it is and what God has chosen to work with and interact on the human level. And that is an element called faith. And it doesn't matter if you have a lot of faith or you have a little faith. The fact that there is faith involved is what God is looking for and what God needs to transmit His blessings and move in your life. But here's how we frustrate God. We spend our time trying to figure out how much more we need And never use what we have. I better hurry on. Wow, this is getting my time. The inconsistencies which are frequent in our life of faith and doubt, belief and unbelief, I believe is common to all of us. There's a competing for priority. I want you to remember that. There's a competing for priority. I don't think you will ever reach a place in this, on this side of heaven where you will not have to face doubt of some kind. In order to have faith, there has to be the opposite. There has to be an alternative. And none of us are going to live through this life without having to grapple with those two contradictory things. And we want the one, we cherish the one, we despise the other, and we don't like to admit that there's times that we struggle with that. And we don't, we, we just get up in the morning and we don't want to pray because we don't feel like praying because I prayed yesterday and nothing happened. And so we have this conundrum in our hearts and in our, our minds and in our spirits and the inconsistencies are what try to become the focus of our life. But it's what we do with those two things that matters. You're not going to do away with them, but what you do with them, where you put them in your life, where you put them in your problems, where you put them when you're facing situations. What was this man saying in his desperate cry, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Well, maybe he was saying, Lord, help me out of my unbelief. He realized that he was not strong as he needed to be and maybe there was some doubt or question, but his, his cry, his plea to the Lord was, Help me get out of this unbelief. And I believe that's a prayer that all of us should pray. God, if I'm struggling with unbelief or I'm struggling with doubt, help me get out of that. Help me get past all of this so that I can believe what I sang about today, that nothing is impossible with you, that you said it, it will be done, that you did it and it's already accomplished. There are times in my life that it gets so messy and heavy that if I'm not careful, I, I get the wrong thing <clears throat> ahead of the other in my life. And there are times that I need him. I need him to just deliver me out of this. I need someone to bring me out of my situation. I need somebody that's strong enough to pull me out. So how does he do that? 
How does God pull us out of our doubt? How does God pull us out of our unbelief? It's very simple. Jesus said it. He said, if you believe, all things are possible. Now, here's a man that obviously was still struggling with his inadequacy. And the Lord said, hey, you've got your eyes on the wrong thing. You're focusing on the wrong issue right now. The issue is not whether there's enough faith there. You need to start using what is there. And when you start using what is there, then you give God the door of opportunity that he needs and he wants to move in and begin to affect a change in your life. And so sometimes I need somebody just to bring me out. I need him some strong enough to quench my, my thirst for more. Amen. And then there are times that I need him just to help me in spite of my unbelief. God, I'm, there's, I pray a prayer quite often, Lord. Remember that we are but humans. Remember that we are but flesh. Remember us that way, Lord. And, and that sounds so pathetic. That sounds so pitiful. I hope people aren't really listening close to me when I'm praying that way. But that's the way I feel, God. When I look at myself and I look at my limitations and I read your word and your word tells me all that you do and all you're capable of doing and all that you want to do and I struggle to try to bring my limitations up to that sphere where you are unlimited, I have a problem, God. I'm weak. I need you to help me. And I need you to help me in spite of my unbelief. I need you to help me in spite of my doubt. I need you to help me in spite of my weakness. I need you to come and touch me today. Even though my faith may not be where it needs to be. The fact that there might be an inkling there, God. I need you to see that inkling of faith. And begin to work to bring it to a greater place. I need you to do something in my life today, God. That will help lift me out of this place that I'm in. So that I can can truly behold the glory of the Lord. You see, it is the amount of faith that we have that we think moves God. But that is not true. And I'm going to prove that to you by what he said. Is it the amount? Or is it the fact that you just use what you have, small as it may be, infinitesimal. As a matter of fact, it's so small that if I were to show it to you, you would say, what faith? Where? Where is it? I mean, Jesus said a mustard seed, a mustard seed is so tiny that if I had 15 or 20 of them in between my fingers and I could stick them right there, you wouldn't even be able to see that little dot that's on my hand from where you're sitting because how small they are. Jesus said, don't get wrapped up in the smallness. That's not the principle. The principle is there's life in that seed and there's life in your faith. And it doesn't matter how small it is, how insignificant it is, how little, how whatever you think about it, if you just start using Using that little bit of faith, if you just put it in the ground and say, God, this is all I can muster up today. This is all I have today, but I'm going to give this to you. We need to do that with our worship. There's times I come to church, I don't really feel like worshiping. I get tired like you do. As a matter of fact, if I'd have done what I wanted to do this morning, I would have called in sick. Brother Landon, you're just lucky you didn't get that phone call this morning. But sometimes I have to go on anyway and just bring what little that I have. And if it's a little bit of worship, just start using that little bit of worship. If I can't say anything but I give a hallelujah, I'm going to start using that hallelujah. Because when I started doing that while ago, all those other things started coming, flowing into my life. Same thing with prayer. Sometimes the reason we don't pray is because really, really, it's just so hard. I mean, do you realize how many times I've come into this sanctuary and I'm praying out loud and God is as silent as some of you are right now. 
I'm wanting a voice to speak to me. I'm wanting him to come audibly and just thunder in this building. And I'm praying, God, we need a miracle. We need answers. We've got to have this. We've got to have that. And it's just as quiet as this. And so you feel like, well, you know what? Prayer doesn't work, so I'm going to quit praying. But this is what I learned a long time ago. Whether you feel it or not, you keep going back to prayer. Because prayer is the right thing to do. You keep going back to that little fragment that you have. If it's just, just pray that little fragment. Even if you don't have a lot of words to say, this is also what I've learned about prayer. That if you'll just use the words that you've got, God will give you the words you can't think of. And if you'll just start praying, even if it's the same thing over and over again, until you move into that spirit of prayer, all of a sudden comes to your mind and to your spirit those things you could not have even thought about. You could not have even imagined how to say them. But while you're in prayer, those things begin to come. And I'm here to tell Greater Life Church that the reason some things are not where they need to be isn't because we don't have what it takes. It's because of where we've got it placed right now. I am running out of time. We brood over the lack of blessing. The lack of sufficiency, the lack of enough. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. And you can put whatever other part you want. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. We don't have enough faith. We don't have enough this. And so we spend so much of our time focused here on this negative bias that I mentioned a while ago. We have this humanity about us that has, it has a tendency toward this negative bias about what we don't have. And so we brood over those things. We brood. And sometimes people can do it in prayer. It's amazing how people can manipulate prayer <laughs> to become their complaint department. It's amazing how you can manipulate prayer to just regurgitate all your anger and frustration. And, and God listens to it. Amazing. He just listens to it. He doesn't strike us dead. He doesn't kill us. He just lets us vent and pour it out because God's not offended by that. He's not overwhelmed by that. He sees me in my humanity. He understands me better than I understand myself. Now, there's no excusing that. I'm not saying that that's, you do that all the time and God just goes, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we brood over what we don't have instead of utilizing a spirit of thanksgiving over what we do have. I said this the other day, and some of you got it, some of you didn't. When they came and they were the, the multitude, and the Lord said, I want, these, I want to feed these people. We, we don't need to send them home. They, they'll, they'll faint in the journey. He said, what do you have? And they said, well... We, we, it, it would take 200 penny worth or it would take $5,000 worth of bread to feed these people. Finally, somebody spoke to Andrew, speaks up and said, hey, I found a little lad that's got a few fish and some loaves. But what are they among so many? That's that negative bias that we have. Yeah, I see there's a little money in the bank, but it's not enough. It's amazing what Jesus taught us in that moment. He takes that little bit of nothing and he lifts it up and he said, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. He didn't name it. He just said, I thank you. And then he started breaking it. <laughs> I wonder what would happen this morning if some of us could move our complaint to the back room 
and bring thanksgiving back into the living room of our life. And let that be the thing that pushes and motivates us. And look around at what we have and lift it to God and say, God, thank you for what I have. Thank you for what you have given me. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. I want to tell you why some people can't do that, especially financially. Because they've never trusted him with their finances. You say, how do you know that, smart aleck? Because they don't honor God with the first fruit of their increase. Did he really say that? Yeah, I really said that. It's in your Bible. It's not an Old Testament principle. It is an eternal principle of God. And the reason we can't lift this to him is because we know we've not really given him what he deserves and what should be his. But I'm telling you right now that when you learn that principle, you can lift that 90% and say, God, this is all, but it's enough. And watch God take that little bit and do more with it than you can do with the whole amount. Some of you don't believe that, but it is a principle that has been proven over and over and over again. And the reason that we struggle is because we don't honor him, not just with our tithing, but there's a first fruit of a lot of other things. Amen. I better get off of that subject. That wasn't even in my notes. Maybe that'll help comfort some of you. I'm looking at the clock. You don't have to look at it. Jesus lifted the five loaves and the two fishes. They said of their fare, what is it among so many? And Jesus said, look at what I have to work with. Wow. The greater miracle just happened. Amen. I got I I to skip some stuff here. What complicated this whole setting in Mark and made this man's struggle even more acute were the words of Jesus when he said, if thou canst, canst believe, all things are possible. That, when Jesus spoke that, he spoke of a boundless arena in which he could work when we simply honor him. It makes all things possible when you allow him to do that. There was a whole world of wonder waiting out there beyond those words. If you can believe all things are possible. And to me maybe this was a point of revelation. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong but I feel like when he said that something must have flashed through this man's mind and he saw that there was there, there were some things in his life that were not in proper order in him coming to begin with he had come magnifying his son's problem he had come magnifying the pain and the suffering and the hurt that had been inflicted upon his son and what he himself had endured as a father. But when Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible, he realized perhaps it was a moment of revelation. I choose to believe it was. It was a moment of revelation. And here this man realized that he had switched some things and put them in the right order in his life. It's not that you're going to live a trouble-free life. It is not that you're going to live a life free of pain or suffering or loss or anything else. It's not that you're ever going to reach a spiritual <clears throat> nirvana on this side of glory where you're not ever going to deal with those common everyday struggles that seem so prevalent. But there is a place you can put it in your life 
and make sure that it stays in that place. And when you do, all things are possible. All things are possible. And for this man, that world was being kept out of his reach because of his own flaw, his own defect. And when you look at what he said, you realize that there had to be this revelation moment that came when he cried out, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I think it is so critically important. I don't think I'm splitting a hair here, but I believe it is so critically important. The place that he put his faith He put it before his doubt. He put it before his problem. I don't care how little it is. I don't care how insignificant it is. The fact that there's a a mustard seed of that. Look at the difference in the way this man looked at his life before that encounter and the way Jesus spoke. He spoke of unbelief and faith in the same sentence. But listen to what he said about him. If you can have faith as a grain of mustard seed. He didn't do away with the problem because he mentions a mountain. There's nothing bigger than a mountain full of trouble. But he didn't say you'll, he he, he didn't place that mountain before him. He just said that if you can have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, if you'll just let me have that, if you'll just give me that, You can turn and say to your mountain, here's the problem. We've got that turned around. We've got our mountain right before us and our faith is somewhere behind us. And we're trying to reach back there and grab it and say, come on up here, faith. You need to help me right now. I need you to help me get through this mountain. And what God's trying to do for Greater Life Church in this season that we're in right now, and I have felt it so acutely over the last few weeks, God's trying to help us make a shift in our lives so that we can move some things to the back room that we put in the front room. And we can put in the front room some things that we've relegated to a secondary point in our life and that we can put faith where it belongs. It's got to be the first thing in my life. However weak and small it may be. Amen. Praise God. Well, let me... Where do you put the emphasis in your life is going to be the key to what God can do in your life. And so, I've had to learn in my spiritual journey... Sometimes I just bring my prayers as weak and pathetic as they are. And sometimes I even chastise myself because they're so pathetic. God, please, I know you get tired of hearing this. But this is all I have right now. This is all I can say right now. Help me. Help me. Help me. And you know what? I stand here today to tell you. He has always helped me. He has always helped me. When I get faith in the right place, you see, it's critical where you put your faith. Not just in God, but in your own life. Where is the priority that it has in your life? That you know what? If all I've got is a string to hold on to, I'm going to hold on to that string. If I'm down to the last thread, I'm going to tie a knot in that thread and hold on. Because that thread's connected to something bigger. That thread's connected to something greater. That thread's, that's my lifeline. Don't cut the thread. I don't care if it is a thread. Keep hanging on to that thread. Keep praising him. Keep coming to church worshiping him. I don't feel like worshiping him. But I'm going to worship with what I've got. Because I need something that I cannot get without it. Clap your hands to the Lord and praise Him. Would you do that? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Lord. We need to get our worship before our problem. I'm preaching to myself right now. How many times have we come in here and they're singing all these wonderful songs and we're still at Six Flags? We're still at the desk at the job, 
trying to sort through that problem. We're still at the house trying to figure out how this mess is going to work out. We're still at the table trying to figure out how we can undo that conversation that just caused the blow up in the marriage. We're sitting here thinking all these things and the Lord's Spirit is here nurturing us, urging us, moving us, saying, come on in, come on in, come on in. My house is open. The doors are open. Come on in. Oh, but I don't have enough to come in today, Lord. God said, just come with what you got. Just bring what you have and start giving it to me. And if you give me what you've got, I'll give you what you need. If you give me what you have, I'll give you what you do not have. Come on, praise him, praise him, praise him. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Here's what I've learned from our text. If you have enough to just simply cast yourself at his feet. That's enough. If you had enough to get up and get dressed and come and sit on that pew, that's enough. With God, that's enough. If all that you have is one word that's all he needs imagine with me my mind's running a little crazy right now imagine with me when Peter's walking on that water and you talk about miraculous supernatural but somewhere along the journey he he got distracted you know the story And he saw the waves. What happened? Jesus had been before him when he started out. Those waves were there. All the wind was there. All the shaking and moving, all of it was there. But when Jesus came walking on the water and said to him, come, that's all he saw. He just starts walking toward what he was looking at. Then all of a sudden, we become aware of our humanity. Oh, wave. I mean, those waves didn't just hop up there and... and, they, they didn't buffet his legs or whatever he... They didn't just arrive at that moment. They were there when he stepped out. And so here's us. If that were to happen to us, and we happened to look around and we started sinking, we would go, oh God, I didn't really mean to do that. I'm sorry, God. I, oh God, I'm so... I'm, I'm, I'm. He didn't have a bunch of words to say. All that he had in that moment were two words. Help me! That's all God needed. The Bible said he reached out his hand, stretched forth his hand and took him by the hand. And what's so amazing about that story is that the Bible said they both walked back into the, to, to where the boat was. Both of them. What am I saying? I'm saying that if you have enough to simply cast yourself at his feet and cry, God, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. That's all God needs to begin to work in your life. If you just have a little bit of worship to offer him and you just begin to offer it to him, that's the avenue that he needs to begin to work in your life. Oh God, help us today. You see, our hindrances lie not in the greater or littleness of our faith, but it lies in what we have done with it and where we have placed it in our life. And in that moment of time, Peter's world turned upside down and all of a sudden, all of the problems were his focal point, all the issues. 
Listen to me, Greater Life Church. I feel the Holy Ghost when I'm speaking to you right now. There are families that are not in this service today because their members, family members, are struggling with a health crisis that's been brought on by COVID-19. We don't have answers or solution, but I tell you what I do have. I have enough faith to keep coming back to God. I have enough confidence to keep coming back to the Lord and say, God, I don't understand these things, but I am believing you. I am trusting you. I am going to give it to you. I'm going to let you have it because that's all I know to do. But I am trusting you today. And if all that I have is a thread of hope to hold on to, I'm going to hold on to that thread of hope. I'm going to keep worshiping him. I'm going to keep singing to him. I'm going to keep praising him. Oh God, help me to get stuff rearranged in my life and refocus my life on what really needs to be at the center. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, I feel, I need to shut up. I need to stop right now. Praise God. It's not about making another point. I think the Holy Ghost has already made the point. Whatever it is that you have, I want you to bring it. Would you do that? If you need to put a mask on to come, that's fine. But I want you to bring what you've got. You say, I don't feel very strong right now. I don't feel very faith, much faith. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like praying. Come on, bring, bring whatever inkling you have and come and stand here in the altar down the aisles. Come on. Come on, church family. We, we need to get in order the things that God wants to put in order. And that is that our faith matters more than our doubt. Our faith matters more than whatever unbelief we're wrestling with. Our faith matters more than whatever mountain you're facing. Our faith matters more to God than whatever kind of struggle you're going on or going through in your life. That your faith matters to God more importantly than any other issue in your life. And if you will just begin to use it, just bring that tattered piece, bring that broken piece and give it to it and say, God, this is as good as I can do today but I pray you can use what I've got I pray that you will make of it what needs to be made of it hallelujah 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 God if we'll just begin where we are if we'll just begin where we are if we'll just begin where we are oh God you will revive it you will renew it you will purchase you, you will revive me in the midst of the year. You'll help me, Lord, in the midst of my struggle. Oh, Lord, I may not feel like my faith is worthy of that name, but I bring it to you anyway. I bring it to you anyway, Lord. I bring it to you anyway. Hallelujah. Come on, church family. That's right. Just bring it just say, God, this is it. I'm weak today, but you're not intimidated by my weakness. My problems, my life is filled with problems, but you're not intimidated by my problems. All that you're looking for is where my faith is located. You're just looking to see where that faith is. And God, today I bring it to you. And I give it to you, what little bit I have, what little bit I might possess at this moment, I offer it to you, Lord. This is all that I am today. I'm not much, but God, little is much when God is in it. Hallelujah. 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 Holy Ghost, right now, minister in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be your name. 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 I bring my weakness, Lord. I bring my insufficiencies, I bring my debt, I bring, Lord, the mountain before you today. God, help me to move the mountain. Lord, instead of it letting, allowing it to speak to me, that I start speaking to that mountain.
God, nothing, nothing is impossible. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is beyond the scope of your power, Lord. Nothing. God, what you did at Calvary, what you did, Lord, in coming forth from that tomb. It can never be undone. It can never be unraveled. It can never, never, never be undone. It can never be undone. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we love you today. We love you today. We love you today. We love you today. You hold the world in your your family, pray with your family. If you're with your spouse, pray with your spouse. Hallelujah. Father, today we praise you. We bless you. Every mountain, every problem, every issue, let us move it, Lord, and replace it, Lord, with that thread of hope, that thread of faith that embryonic size seed of
of faith. God, that you're able, that you're the forgiver of all sins, that you're the restorer of broken lives, that you're the help, you're the helper that we need. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. There was a young man that went to college years ago. He was very strong in his faith. But when he stepped into that environment of the college campus, he went through a process of losing his belief in God. Everything that he had ever embraced and believed about God was shaken. That institution tried to unravel his life of faith. Situations that happened in his life, he began to lose his belief in God until he came to a point where he said that all that remained in his life was an abstract principle of right. That's all that was left, just there was a right and there was a wrong. And so with only that to work with, instead of succumbing to the darkness around him, he said that he began to daily bring before the Lord that one thing that he held on to, that sense of rightness. And faithfully he prayed with nothing No feeling about God, no ounce of conviction that God was there, but just the simple truth that there is right. And kneeling in prayer, he prayed fervently. He said of himself, he said it was a dreary prayer to say the least. But he said, I kept praying it. And it was the best that he could do at that moment but it was all God needed. And in time, praying that simple prayer of right, God began to take that and help him. He regained his footing. And years later, he would be the speaker at Yale University. And he told his story. And this is what he said in closing. He said the God that he had lost came back to him that God that he had lost came back to him in that act of trying faithfully and sincerely to worship what was right. And he said that small fraction of God is what helped him survive and get back to that full understanding and knowledge of who God was. Sometimes that's all you have, but just keep using it, keep working it, keep praying it, keep believing it. I told Sister Rosemary this morning before service, you know, every time you get a phone call, the doctors, they don't have a lot of encouraging words to say. And I said, Sister Rosemary, if all we have is a thread, we have to hold on to that thread. Amen. If all that we have is just one thing, and so I prayed, God, give us one indicator today that hope could tie itself to. And if if, if you choose to not give me that one thread today, I'm going to hold on to the thread that you've already given me. I'm going to hold on to what you've already done and what you've already promised because I know that if I hang on to it, you're going to bring your word to pass. You cannot lie and you never fail. Amen. He can forgive any sin. Amen. He can forgive whatever failure there may be in my life. Don't let the failures keep you from coming to Him. Amen. Don't let your weakness... Your insufficiency silence you because that's what hell would like to do. Hell would like to put a zipper on your lip, let you just sit back there like a ward on a pickle and just go through, you know, the ritual of church. 
Amen. But if you can just bring whatever it is. I know the Bible said make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So I'm going to do it just because the Bible said make a joyful noise. I don't feel like making any noise. I don't feel like, but I'm going to make it because the Bible said make a joyful noise. I'm going to shout because the Bible said shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. I, I don't really feel triumphant right now, but I'm going to shout with the voice of triumph. <laughs> the, the Bible said dance before the Lord. I don't feel like dancing, but I'm going to dance anyway because of what I already know. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. <laughs> hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. He said it. I believe it. Amen. It matters where you put your faith. It matters where it's at right now. Get it out of your pocket. Open your mouth. Get it out of your heart. Get it out of your mind. You speak it with your mouth. You speak faith. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. That word that's been spoken. So I've got to start speaking it out of my mouth. I can't just keep it in my heart. I've got to declare it every day. I've got to speak it every day. I praise you, Lord, because your tomb can never be refilled. Your tomb will always remain empty. I praise you because there are stripes on your back for my healing. I praise you because you took my burden and you carried it with you and you nailed it to a cross so I don't have to carry my burden any longer. Oh, yes, hallelujah. I feel the preacher in the house right now. Not me, but the Spirit of the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I, I wish somebody would just loose a praise to him right now. I wish somebody would just push past your feelings, your ideas, your thoughts. Come on. Oh, yes, Lord. I praise you because of who you are. I praise you according to your excellent greatness. I praise you according to your great power. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.